What's up, Nubians? Welcome to Tech Nubians, part of the Geekish Network. This is your weekly deep dive into video games, steeped in the blackest blacks. For those of you who don't know, Tech Nubians is your live stream and podcast hosted by black technology professionals, where we discuss the what, where, and how you can get into this world of technology, specifically video games. With me today, I have this producer, sleuther, and deducer, Shanae. Hey, folks. And we have a special guest today. We have Timothy Chalamet. Oh, oh no. Oh, that's, that's, oh, oh no, wait, no. Oh, no. no that's just Travis. No, no, no. Wrong, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard I should say something about the spice must flow, but I, have, I'm not, I haven't seen Dune yet. So. He who controls spice controls the universe. Ah, okay. So you control the universe? <laughs> is that what we're saying here, Travis? Say what? You control the universe? You know, if, if you control the universe, Travis, I, where's the complaint department? I got, I got a few things I would like to lodge. Oh, oh, oh we hear you. <laughs> is, is there a route? Is that round file? Is that what I'm looking at right there? That's the round mm. file. Of the complaint department. I like the, I yes. like the employment of the royal we. Also, like we, we hear you. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Anyways, I am not even host. a minute now. We want to fight you, Travis. Yeah, right. I am your host. I am your host, Cherie, and we are Tech Nubians. We're here every week to sustain, inspire, and nurture successful creative technologists in the pursuit of black excellence and content development. So, all right, folks, we're gonna do this what we normally do. We're doing our, our news segment, and then we'll do a long topic. This week, we are talking about fantastic high-functioning teams and how to build them. Um, came up with that name myself. I feel pretty proud about that. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this um, because I think this is, is really important for the world of technology, video games in general, that you have and, and understand the concept and the benefits of high-functioning teams. But before we get into that, we're gonna talk some other tech and gaming news with our new segment, Tech Newsians. Okay, so let us kick this thing off here. All right, I have a quick story I would like to highlight for everybody, which is about the PS5. I know we talked the PS5 a bit last week, and I think we even mentioned like, cause there, you know, I mean, it's not really a surprise that it's kind of been a little bit of a shortage and a few people haven't been able to get the system they want to get. Yeah. Um, well, somehow, last month, the PS5 actually outsold the Switch. This is the first time that another console has outsold the Switch in 33 months. This is a 33-month consecutive streak in the U.S. Um, and the last <laughs> month, the, the PS5... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do you have Sony stock or something, Travis? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out if the dance is for Sony or against Nintendo. <laughs> like, yes. Or is it column A, column B? Okay, all right, all right. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. So the the uh, the PS5 outsold, I said outsold the, the Switch. The Switch has been, you know, the best-selling console, outselling both the PS5 and the, and the Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, excuse me, uh, during the launch period. But during the month of September, um, Sony somehow did. I just want to ask how. I don't actually know. I don't actually understand. Like, isn't there a chip shortage? Like, I mean, maybe they're maybe they're getting the this, they're getting their feet underneath them for the production shortage and stuff too. I mean, that's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's, this is not to say like I, I mean I haven't looked at the numbers or anything like that. But the switch has been hasn't been easy to come by either, right? Yeah. Um, but hey, this is maybe this is like a one week turnaround. Like last week we're talking about, hey guys, you might have to wait a little while, but you're not really missing that much. And this week everybody got their PS5s. So. <laughs> Basically, that's great. that's great. Basically, I mean, no shade on that. I mean, hey, like you know. 
Like you too can enjoy five five games. <laughs> yeah, you too. <laughs> Everybody was like, "Yo, Sinead said, let's pause for a second. <laughs> That's why it's called the PS Five because you know it's got mm. five games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm uh, I'm not saying I'm above console wars or anything like that, but you know, uh, those those kind of bore me kind of thing too. So like, I'm glad that more people were able to get access to consoles and stuff. It's a pain in the butt. I hate that the that these shortages have been plaguing us for literally the last two years. The pandemic, as great as it's been for folks who work in the game industry, has been really hard on people who want to buy consoles and want to buy games because it's changed up the entire like purchasing purchasing um expectations and process and strategy and stuff like that too. So it's been harder for, you know, for, for folks who are trying to get stuff into the, into the, the actual channel so people can buy the products and buy the games, buy physical copies of it. And then it makes it really hard for, for folks to actually get a hold of it. Plus there's a lot of folks like buying them up and scalping them, trying to flip them on eBay and stuff too. Uh, and that does not make this whole thing easy. So it's, it's just been interesting to see like this whole pandemic, like what it's done in our industry in general and how it's pushed a lot of things forward in, in, in crazy ways. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just don't know what to think about it. I mean, it's, it's crazy when I think about just the leaps and how we work, how we communicate, how we, how we talk. Uh, it, these past two years have been just like a massive step in that direction no absolutely uh and 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 I, i'm guessing also since uh since playstation was able to outsell nintendo this time you know we've got that big blockade that's down in the um the uh, la ports right now um supply chain uh just 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 totally backed up it's like that but apparently everything they unloaded was a ps5 so that <laughs> must have been <laughs> that must have been it y'all <laughs> Sorry, you can't get your favorite brand of toothpaste or anything like that. This Okami statue I literally bought six months ago is still sitting somewhere on a boat, but... Also, your furniture. Yeah, furniture, yes. Yeah, I'll get a couch in January. (laughs) So that's what you need to do. Instead of going to the store to get a PS5, go to the ports. (laughs) Don't don't do that, folks. (laughs) I mean, you know, apparently. Apparently, so I'm gonna drop a giant shipping container on your butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Travis, you've got That's a really good. For us. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yes. Look, Google decided that they're gonna lower the Play Store subscription uh, share to 15. Mm-hmm. Um, says, uh, you know, it, it it's lowering uh, its it, its uh, subscription from. 30% to 50%, 15%. I think this is going to be the beginning of the end <laughs> for a lot of exclusivity when it comes to, uh, you know, pricing. I mean, Apple's getting really aggressive, you know, because it's almost a tax on tax on tax on tax, right? Um, I'm just excited to see where this is going um, because, it's going to start democratizing the whole industry in brand new ways now that you're actually seeing this sort of discounting going on. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think we had a we had a good conversation about this. Uh, was it a couple of weeks ago? I think just in general, um, just everything around the Epic Apple lawsuit, I think has just really put this in the forefront. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting to see uh, like this. This sort of goes. 
it goes to, to like to in, in line with what Travis was saying earlier, like there's been some big sweeping changes <laughs> in these last two years. Not all of them were caused by the pandemic, but you know what? Like we're going to remember them in association with the pandemic because this stuff is going to be things that like it's not going to be short term changes. It's going to be short term, but it's going to be a lot of long term ripples here. Um, yep. But yeah, you know, I think it's going to be interesting because like as you start seeing folks lower their 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 cut, like that's going to have uh, that's going to have those ripple effects as well. Like I wonder how many folks are going to stay at that thirty that thirty percent um, level. Like when you've got that fifteen percent coming in there too. So um, how much do you think? How much do you think this was? Because of the whole epic dust up, right? I feel like it has. I feel, I feel like it was at least 15% because of that. <laughs> <laughs> at least 15%. I mean, here's my question. Like, you know, Apple, of course, is not doing this. At, I'm not saying Apple, Google. They're not, all these companies aren't doing this out of the gut kindness of their heart, you know? Like 15%, like that's not anything to sneeze at. Where are they making that up? That's what I'm kind of curious, you know? They got to make it up somewhere. They're not just going to like just, you know, just take this. You know, it's a pretty sizable cut, going from thirty percent to fifteen percent. Like they, they are cutting their, they're they're cutting their take in half, right? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, a lot of it, like it might, I mean, some they might find other ways to make it up and stuff too. They but they also, to. you know, there there was like I think our last conversation, um, you know, Travis was talking about the, there's a, a real big argument as to like what they're doing to earn that that thirty percent, right? Um, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I think a lot of this, like, honestly, like the reason we're seeing the movements here is not just because the Epic Apple lawsuit, but it's also because of global legislation and stuff as well. I think South Korea just passed a law, uh, uh, the European Union was looking at various like litigation, various countries over overseas. Um, you know, we, we often talk in, <laughs> we're often very America centric <laughs> when we think very about this, but all of these companies and all of these things are very, very much global uh, and their ecosystems are very different than the American ecosystem too. Uh, their their, their um, legal systems are very different than the American legal system and how they how they go about regulating companies. So um, if these companies want to continue to be global, they're going to have to also, um, like we're going to see some ripple effects that will probably affect us based off of, you know, a law that has passed, a butterfly flapping its wings <laughs> in South Korea will, will impact um, stuff over here as well. Yeah. <laughs> but the butterfly is like government oversight. Exactly. <laughs> government oversight butterfly. Yeah. Or some, or a judge, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Travis, like um, you know that the Apple lawsuit probably had some kind of impact on this. And I know, like we were just chatting a little bit before in the pre-show. But, I mean, we, we've we've talked about this for a few weeks now, right? Or a few months now, I guess it's got, got it's gone on here um, about like the impact that that lawsuit could have on the industry. Um, and while it didn't seem like it was, you know, a, a net. Like I guess probably overall, it was, like it was smaller than what what like could have happened. You know what the judge could have ruled. Um, there's still um, still definitely lasting impact, right? I mean, and Apple. I know that there's Apple's appealing the ruling. Epic is also appealing the ruling. Basically, there's appeals all around. It's appealing everything. Um, but I mean, Apple has still gone ahead, like you know, to start like updating their terms of service, letting people, letting developers know, letting people know that developers can um, direct them to like other payment forms methods stuff like that so <laughs> imagine that right yeah they're like hey you know uh there's there's a way that you could possibly get this at a cheaper price if you so desire i mean if you want to i mean but if you want to you know the crazy part about that the crazy part about that if you really think about it then they strike you as shady what it strikes me that that whole like 
how you notify someone yeah, there might be some cheaper options, right? Like as, as a consumer, you're sort of trained to be dubious a little bit. So if you try to pay and someone says that, you know, you can save a little money. You'd be like, what do I got to do? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, Give me a blood sample. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess overall what it really is doing, it's, it's, it's not, it's allowing um, developers, they can know, now go and tell their consumers, hey, buy from us. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, Apple probably is like, they're going to hide it in their terms of service. They're just going to like quietly whisper it from like, you know, across the room. The terms of service, the 25 page <laughs> terms of service that ain't nobody read. That nobody reads, you know. You know, you know what this reminds me That's of, which is which, interestingly enough, like, you know, you order off a of DoorDash, you know, there's, there was a whole lot of. There's a lot of uh, controversy around DoorDash Tubi, which has become way, way, obviously more popular during the pandemic. And I remember the first time we ordered from DoorDash, ordered, you know, from a restaurant and we open up the bag of the food and there's like a little insert. And it's like, hey, we've got a website, too. You could totally order from our website. And I was like, oh, but I ordered from Door. Let me look at their website. Oh, everything's two dollars cheaper on your website. Oh, well, I'm going to order from your website next time. That's what this feels like. right here. It's just like, like I get these inserts and they're like. Don't don't forget, Suavecito has got like our own website. Also, we've got horchata. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm gonna order from your website instead of DoorDash next time. Like, we get more items and a cheaper price, and I feel like it's gonna be the same thing. These developers are gonna be like, hey, <laughs> we got the horchata over here. But you know what? I mean, it's it's good. I mean, at least it allows developers they can look at it and say, hey, you know, I mean, sure, there's gonna be a lot of people who probably still stay within the Apple ecosystem because like. They don't care about like marketing emails or read any of that stuff or whatever. And it's just easier. And maybe they just have money to burn. I don't know. Um, it might just be like ease of use too, right? Like sometimes I won't order from DoorDash because sometimes it is uh, a lot more straightforward. It's like that too. It's a one-stop shop for stuff, you know? Um, yeah. it's, if I want to do a group cart or something like that, it's like it, it provides different additional additional like options and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just reminds me of how I just, I just feel sort of, you know, put upon when, you know, when, when I click purchase and they'd be like, yo, yo, are you sure though? I'll save some money. Yeah. Yeah, I got the 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 hook. I got some watches over here. What are you buying? (laughs) (laughs) Can I mention as well? Like, Cause this, it kind of reminds me of, um, and I know this is, I mean, I don't know how, how big, uh, you know, a, a, an issue this is now nowadays, but I remember back when I was working at EA and like, there was always that, that, um, adversary relationship between like game, uh, developers and, um, like other sellers like, uh, GameStop, right. Cause you know, GameStop will that like, they'll sell the new game and they'll sell like, the used copy that somebody bought, bought somebody bought on like day one, they finished, $5 less. earned it. Yeah, the used copy is five dollars less. And they and licked like, it. You know they licked it. <laughs> but like, I remember like getting into some debates with some of my, you know, my coworkers because a lot of people were like, GameStop should give game developers some of that money. And I said, why? Why would they do that? Like, honestly, because I'm like, let's think about this. This is capitalism. I understand that like. Maybe we want them, but why would they do that if that's their business? I'm, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying that's their business. Why would they do it? And I said, honestly, maybe what this does is it forces companies to innovate. And I thought it was brilliant when EA came up with like the whole like EA online pass thing where it's like, <laughs> hey, you're buying old games or whatever, used copies. 
but you still got to pay us to use our servers. Yeah. I was, it like, that was actually there. Like, yeah, I was like, that, that probably wouldn't have come up if, if GameStop was like, yeah, we'll give you some of the money. It's like, no, it costs them to innovate. So I want to see what Apple does to innovate to try and keep people in their ecosystem as opposed to just resting on like, you know, their their laurels and saying, well, we're just wait. We're used to people just, they don't go anywhere else because they can't, you know? And Sheree, would it, would it shock you that that $10 was exactly GameStop's piece? <laughs> right right that's exactly what it was by the way um travis you talked about like uh if you bought that used that brand new or almost brand new copy that someone licked it if you're walking into a GameStop, you've already you've already made a compromise on what your hygiene level is gonna be for that day like like you touch the doorknob you could eat definitely someone licked that at some point like, sure. <laughs> if you dare pick up a game somebody probably looked outside like just Dude, wash your hands afterwards, you know? Like, if the pandemic has taught us anything... <laughs> I, just didn't, I just didn't like CDs with streaks in them. I just didn't... <laughs> like, is this scratched or did... Yeah, I don't want to say. What is that? I, you know, I, we, you know, when we went down to uh, San Jose last weekend, day, I was I was thinking... I saw the GameStop there. For a second, I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to this GameStop, you know? I honestly, though, I don't buy any physical games anymore. I don't. Ain't it great? Yeah, I was like, I thought about going to GameStop to be like, let me see what toys they have. <laughs> I thought about that too, but then also like, I don't need to buy any more toys. You know, you, you're good. I'm, like, I'm good. <laughs> in, in the industry, I just hated, I hated GameStop. I hated them. I hated them because it was just like, when you ask them like, hey, do you have X game? And they'd be like, did you pre-order? <laughs> no, I did not. And then they'd be like, you know, and I'm like, is this a pre-order store or is this a retail store? Uh, see, Travis, you just were using the GameStop wrong because they would ask me, did you pre-order? I'm like, hell yeah. And where's my pre-order item? Also, I got five, $5 off, didn't I? Also, while I'm here, where's your big book? I'd like to go ahead and pre-order like six more things. I was their best friend. <laughs> they loved me. They're just like, oh, I'm making all my quotas right now. She would literally right take the book and ask them to see what's coming out. And then like, as they're going through, she'd be like, I'm pre-ordering this and pre-ordering this and pre-ordering this. And she would just pre-order everything. Yeah, because you know what? They would text me and be like, yo, this game's coming out tomorrow. You want to come in and pay for it? I'm like, I absolutely do. And that's why I actually do when games come out. I don't know when games come out anymore. <laughs> I don't get physical copies of them. I just, every once in a while, find myself on a, a digital storefront. I'm scrolling. I'm like, oh, that's out now. Yeah. Okay, yes. I guess I'll pick up Alan Wake, which I picked up last night, by the way. <laughs> but to answer your question, yes, I do love the fact that it's all digital now. Like, It's pretty great. Yeah. I actually... Um, I When I bought my Switch, the first Switch, not the newest one, not the OLED, um, oh. I bought um, a physical copy of, uh, of Breath of the Wild. And I just was so annoyed for the longest time after I'd like just switched to everything digital that I had this physical copy of Breath of the Wild. So when we bought my dad a Switch, I was like, I'm just going to give him my physical copy of Breath of the Wild. I'm going to download the digital one. <laughs> I also have a physical copy of Breath of the Wild. It has been in my Switch for four years. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing in my there. switch. Yeah. <laughs> I just so. don't take it out. So, um, my child has my switch and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but you still right. called it your switch though. 
It's not her. You didn't say I gave her my switch. You said my child has my switch. I guess it is. Just noting the language. I was like, I literally don't care. We were yeah. You got a little bit of Nintendo. You got a little Nintendo love. A little bit. Yeah. He's. <laughs> All right. We got one more story here. Um, Shanae, you got a story for us. I do have a story. Uh, so this is uh, this is coming from by a game developer. I think it was uh, Jason Schreier who was reporting uh, to, to Bloomberg. Uh, so uh, Epic um, apparently had a policy that was a, um, <clears throat> a a pandemic policy where they would allow employees to take every other Friday off. People seem to like that, but they just announced that they are ending that policy and now people are not happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, when asked about, yeah, when asked about it, like Epic said this was always intended to be a temporary measure and we really want to encourage people to take time off. But um, when, when employees are asked, they run into this thing that I've actually encountered myself too, which is like people don't want to take their time off because they feel like they're like, I'm on a team. And if I take time off, then my team, I've let my team down. And so that means I shouldn't take time off. And then people wind up at the end of the year with their, like 250 hours at the cap. And you're like, you didn't take, wait, wait you know, it's been 365 and a quarter days, right? How many days off did you take? None? What? Yep. So it's interesting because it's, it's another example of like companies and how they've, um, how they were sort of changing their policies to work within the pandemic. Uh, and I think a lot of companies have run into the same issue and they've been, you know, we, we talked, uh, like, was it last week or week before last about um, the, the four day work week that IDOS Montreal is moving to. I think also a, a Bugsnax developer, Young Horses also just went to a, a four day work week. Um, but as people are starting to see an end to the pandemic, they're starting to sort of roll back some of that stuff and, employees who've gotten used to this last two like 18 months almost two years of of uh you know new processes are not happy about it so imagine that <laughs> <laughs> they had to know like i mean it couldn't have been a surprise right like i hope this was not a surprise to them that they're giving employees t two to two you know about two days off a month like at no cost and like suddenly they're going to end it and then they're surprised that people are not happy about it. I mean, come on. You know, um, it, it, it's like, I have no idea it was rolled out or anything like that. I mean, I think we've all probably been in an instance at some point in our careers and stuff like that. We were just like, wow, that could have been handled better management. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but, here's a question I guess I have about it. Like, I mean, before, I mean, obviously we were trying to, they, were, they implemented this policy and it was more around like a humanity, humanity based policy, right? It's like, obviously people are going through a lot of stuff with the pandemic. This is giving people a little bit of time to be able to adjust, to be able to relax, to be able to, I mean, a lot of different things probably that people could use that additional time off for, right? Um, I'm kind of curious, like, did they ever do anything that like to track like productivity or how it impacted their metrics, you know, or anything like that? As opposed to just saying like, you know what, we don't want to actually like give people these these free days off anymore because the pandemic is over, so we're just gonna claw it back. I would love if we actually started like, you know, companies really focused on like outcome based, you know, uh, management here, and actually, I mean, I, I'm just curious of like, is the reason why they, uh, you know, they clawed it back because they just didn't want to do it anymore, and now they're just resting on it was always intended to be temporary. Or do they actually see some kind of like impact, negative impact on like productivity or something like that? My guess is it's probably the former, but I'm just being cynical. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
really good question. I, I don't I don't know, honestly, and I I, uh, I wish I had the answer to those questions. I, the thing I always think is really, um, really interesting is, you know, I, I hear a lot of uh, during this pandemic, I hear a lot of talk about like, oh, this policy was always intended to be temporary. And I'm like, what's your definition of temporary? Right. You know, it's been 18 months. Like this mess is permanent right now. It might be permanent with an asterisk next to it, <laughs> but we can't say it's temporary because like we're still in the middle of a pandemic and we don't know when it will end. So you can't be like, it's a temporary policy that's just during like a five year long pandemic. Like that's not temporary. <laughs> There's folks who like, who like got this job and have probably been in under that, like under that policy for their entire employment. Yeah. And then it's like, oh wait, I don't get every other Friday off, but that was mentioned to me in the, you know, in the onboard with the, um, during my onboarding or it was one of the things the recruiter told me was like a perk. Right. So it's like, you're gonna like, obviously, you know uh, it's not just like people being greedy and saying, Oh, I want to take every other Friday off because I like being a lazy game developer or something like, no, we're actually still in the middle of a global pandemic. People are like really adjusting their lives around working remotely and around like managing their households and their families and, and their health and their mental and physical health, all this stuff. And yeah, actually having an extra day or two off a month is like, that's really nice. Actually, that actually really does help people like that can be like life or death for a lot of folks, right? Like it's, it's the, it's the, the difference between feeling like you're like, you're, you're, you're actually hanging on and actually like have things make, maybe not in control, but like you sort of play at it versus just being completely out of control and just being like, well, my life is chaos. <laughs> My life is awesome. so I can't even add any more to that. That was just perfect. You know, I have I have so many strong opinions about this, y'all. Like, like I literally I've, I've mentioned this before, but like I did a talk just a couple of weeks ago at the Game Devs of Color that was specifically about this. It was specifically about the idea that we keep calling like, oh yeah, you're working from home. You're working from home. I'm like, nah, man. We're not working from home. We're remote workers, like yeah. for real. Working from home is something I would do like at a coffee shop every once in a while. <laughs> like, oh, let me just order my like my cascara fizz and my like um, liege waffle at Blue Bottle, and I'm working remotely today. I'm working from home, right? Working from home from a local coffee shop. Like working from home was a perk. Like this is not a perk. <laughs> this is literal survival for us and for businesses too. Right. So, yes. you know, I'm just saying like, you know, management folks, think about it. Go back and watch, go walk my, go watch my talk and think about it. Like when we think about like, Hey, are we trying to pull people into the, why are we trying to get people in the office? Why are we pulling these things back? Why are we clawing these things back? Um, and is it really worth it? Because, you know, and we're, we're actually probably right in the middle, right smack dab in the middle of a worker movement right now. Yeah. We see it all the time. People are uh, taking control of their work life in ways we have not seen in my entire lifetime. So managers, think about that. <laughs> is it worth an extra two days? I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> it ain't thinking about you. Trust me. Ooh, it's crucial out there. <laughs> it's so crucial out there right now. You know, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there for folks. And there's a lot like in the tech industry and games. A lot of companies are going like full time remote. Like you can work like and that's opened up so much opportunity, especially when we talk about like marginalized folks and, and the places where the jobs typically live. The jobs typically in the past have lived where um, San Francisco, Seattle, L.A., like places that are expensive. Where the cost of living is high. Right. Yeah. And or places that are 
traditionally overwhelmingly white and there's not a lot of like people of color that live there and so like if you wanted to if you wanted to get a job in the industry you had to do what what my sister and i did what travis probably did like you had to pick up and you had to move cross country right yep right <laughs> and now like I have friends who are out, like out back out east, and they're like, "Oh, I could get it." Like, are you guys hiring? <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, we are," <laughs> and you can get a job here. That's great, and you like, and you don't have to worry about moving cross. Like, which is, if you guys have not moved, oh my goodness, most hated thing in the world. <laughs> you know, they say like the reason why it's so stressful. Like, I remember reading some article that was talking about like people. People said that moving was as stressful as having to plan a funeral. And that is the reason I was just like, yeah, those two things really do equate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, Same it's levels of stress. It's pretty stressful. It's pretty stressful. It is one of my most dreaded things. But so it's it's fantastic because it opens it up. It opens up this industry to a, a wide variety of like additional talent that is not barred by the fact that they did not grow, weren't born in California. <laughs> and, and and really, what it's what it's also doing to just the way that we build software. Right. Uh, and and what we what we deem important to 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 focus on. Um, all those things have been amplified now. Right. Uh, to, to the point where your uh, your avatar, your digital presence is as important as your real physical presence. Now. It's true. It's true. I mean, you know, with the with the uh, pandemic having basically like every convention, just about every convention either went away or went like pretty much fully online um, over the last two years, right? And in order to still try and maintain relationships with people that we used to see once a year at a convention, you yeah. still have to, like, you still talk to them, but we talk to them like this, right? Like through this little video square uh, and stuff as well. So like uh, we had to become a lot more technically savvy and a lot more comfortable with, um, with how we're perceived online. And it's no longer perception. It's like, yeah, you have an online persona. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, I think that's also like really translated into how um, how we how we develop games for, for good and for bad. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Very true. Um, all right. So I think we are probably at the time we're going to move into talking about our long topic here. And as I mentioned, um, we're going to talk about high functioning teams today, as I, as I called it fantastic high-functioning teams and how to build them. <laughs> um, you know, if you haven't had the, the opportunity to work on a high-functioning team, I mean, it is, it is really just an amazing experience. And it's also an amazing experience in the opposite direction when you, <laughs> if you go from working on a high-functioning team to one that's not necessarily, uh, you know, working in a, in a more... Uh, you know, in such an effective manner. But let's start off this conversation here by just talking about what is a high-functioning team? Should you mind giving a quick uh, definition of that? Sure. Um, man, I don't, like, what is a high-functioning team? I mean, a high-functioning team uh, essentially is a team that, that could finish each other's sentences. <laughs> it's a team. It is a team that works so well together. Like they are meshed so well together. They, they are essentially, they're anticipating each other's needs. They're they're fulfilling each other's like expectations. Like they are just like they they are just working together. Like a well, you hear the, the phrase "well-oiled machine." It's like that too. Like that's a high-functioning team essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've done like there's been lots of studies over the years uh, as to how do you get that because like if you've never been on a high-functioning team, 
like, you know, when you're on a high functioning team, like I've been on two and a half high functioning teams in my career. I, I give that half because we were almost there for that third one. Um, but then some executive stuff came in and just jumbled it up. Right. Um, but like, you know, when you're on a high functioning team, you absolutely know it. And it, it is absolutely a beautiful thing because it is, it is such a, um, such a supportive and, uh, uh, just, like it's, it's a supportive and a, a well-structured place. Like it is, it is supportive from a, um, from your work-life balance to your, your mental health to like everything around it. Uh, and so they've done lots of studies on what, um, what, what constitutes high functioning teams? Is it like, is it the, the, is it the people? Is it the, the type of, um, is it like a certain combination of, of disciplines? Is it like, like all these different questions and stuff? And, and we'll, we'll probably get into a little more, but there's a, there's a concept of psychological safety, which is at the core yeah. of creating a high functional team, a uh, mm-hmm. high functioning team. And um, yes, it, it, uh, you, you see the smile on my face because it's a very producer nerdy, pr- producer nerdy concept. And I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, if it's a nerdy concept, then it, it, you know, it works very well on our show here. <laughs> Travis, do you, yeah. have, like, do you have anything to add on that? Like, I mean, what is, what would you say is like high functioning team? What's your definition? That's, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's funny because I've, I've been on a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like Shanae said, you know, when you're there, yeah. you, you know, when you're there, uh, and one of them, uh, the most memorable for me was the first one when I, when I was working at White Wolf and we were, we were working on the first edition of Mage, The Ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the owner who turned in the manuscript, we said, hey, dude, this is not it. Honestly, we got to do something. Then the other owner said, yes, let's go fix it. And we kicked him out. We said, no, you need to go sit down too, right? And they gracefully bowed out. Mm -hmm. And then we got the rest of the team together. And we said, we have a month to do this. Yeah. Okay. And I got the magic system. Someone else got this and, and, and so on and so forth. And we would sit in these rooms and just bounce ideas across the table at each other. And it just felt dope. It was in a pocket. And it and, and like Shanae said, it was a psychological safety because I didn't have to question whether or not my, you know, my friend was actually doing his part. I knew it. Yes. Right. And it was, and, and and when people asked me about that, I said that high that 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 high I've been chasing my entire career. Yeah, yeah. Same, same. Because like you, it's one of those things that you know it when you're on it. You're like, and the worst, th- the best, best and worst thing about a high functioning team is it always has a shelf life. Yes, <laughs> always. You know when you're on it, you're like, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And you're like, just realize like everything is like click and click and click. And you're like, and then you just have this moment of sadness because you're like, I knew it couldn't last forever. (laughs) (laughs) It won't last forever. But like, that's the thing. It's like, it is, you know, we talk about people being like, we talk, we talk about it a lot in the, the concept of like, you know, singular folks. We talk about it for like artists being in the zone or like, you know, performers or, or athletes being in the zone. 
high functioning team is a whole team that's in the zone and it can be sustained yeah. over the course of like days, weeks, or months. I've never been on one that lasted years. Um, but like it's, but it's also really fragile. <laughs> and we know that even for performers and stuff, right? Like we've talked about, like if someone's in the zone, like keep them in the zone, keep them in the pocket. And the thing is when you're, when you're, when you're working with a high functioning team, there's so many things that can come in and disrupt that. Oftentimes yeah. it's executive intervention, <laughs> but it's not always, it could be, it could be as simple as like, Hey, we hired a new person to add to our high functioning team. And it shook the the makeup of that team just enough to sort of like bump you out of the pocket for a bit. Right. How do you get back into that pocket? I mean, right. Like, I mean, I get like, you know, there, there could be like some, you know, obviously anytime you hire a new person onto a team, it's going to kind of change the composition a little bit. Right. You know, um, even if you have a twin, which I do, <laughs> you're still, you know, it's still going to change things a little bit um, because like not, not everybody's the same. Not everybody thinks the same way or approaches problems in the same way. So like, how do you make sure though, that you're like, you're not, you know, inadvertently, like diminishing the, the, the output and the, you know, and the, uh, the, the work kind of like that, you know, that workflow is like that for a high functioning team. I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to say that there's a, a one size fits all sort of thing because like, you know, every team is different. There's no, there's no like, Hey, don't, you know, don't touch them or like, or make sure that you interact in a certain way in order to make sure a team doesn't, doesn't fall out of that, that zone. Um, but this is this is where it goes. This is probably where it's a good time to talk about the, the concept of psychological safety. And this okay, is yeah. it's a concept that was, um, I think, developed by Amy Edmondson. She did. She did a, a fantastic TED talk about it. I, I came across this concept like five years ago or something like that. And it has basically reshaped the entire way I think about teams and people working together and stuff, too. And the concept of, of psychological safety. Uh, and like I said, there's a lot of research that went into this, not only from Edmondson, but also like places like Google put like, they put probably millions of dollars into trying to figure out like, is it a certain question that we ask during the, the interview process? Is it, is it like a certain combination of someone's background or factors in order to like, you know, figure this out? And what they really came to is this concept of psychological safety, which is that you have a group of folks who trust one another in such a way that they feel that they can make mistakes, they can take risks, they can take medium level risk and not be judged if they fail, right? It is a team that can work together and accept risk together, either together or as individuals. And if something doesn't go right, it's not a, oh, that was Tom's fault. Tom just messed everything up. Yeah, just go get Tom. Yeah, fire that guy, right? It is it is a team that like that takes that risk on together and and just trust each other. And it sounds really simple, but it's really hard to build, especially in work cultures. Right. Like, you know, there's, there's like, our tech work cultures. <laughs> uh, you know, we often talk about games and 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 then uh, we talk about how like, we talk about how, where games can do better. We talk about tech can do better. Um, just in general, like American work culture, it's <laughs> got some very deep like fault lines running all the way through it. And we have very much sort of a, a blamey culture around things, especially when things go wrong. Like yep. it was very like America is very much a sorry, America, but America is very much a uh, if it goes right. I did it. I'm the boss. I'm the smart one in the room. Good work, everyone working for me. I was so smart to hire you. And if it goes wrong, like, oh, my team. Oh, I can't believe they got it wrong. Oh, let's fire, you know, Jonathan over there. He's always been the problem. And when you eliminate those kinds of things, 
um, and you build this culture where people can actually trust each other and they can, like Travis said, have a meeting where it's like, hey guys, this isn't it. <laughs> like, and it's not a personal attack. It's a, we're working together like with a shared common goal to achieve a very difficult thing. That means we can challenge each other. It means that we can, we can joke with each other. <laughs> we can be honest and open with each other. And it's not taken in that negative way because we understand that like, hey, we've built that bond of psychological safety. It usually happens with small teams too. Like I've never been part of a high functioning team that was more than maybe 10 or something like that. I'm sure it's possible for it to be larger, but they do like, because, you know, as team dynamics get bigger, like communication gets more complex and then, you know, things just start going off the rails. But um, yeah, that's, uh, I love this concept of psychological safety. I think it's absolutely interesting and brilliant. And it's, it's, um, I, I try and share it with everyone everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's a question I have. Um, because, you know, as, as you kind of mentioned, like, you know, it's, it's really about like, you know, um, getting people into that mindset that like, you know, there's like eliminating that blame culture, which I know that um, America, I said, we are a very individualistic society over here in America. You know, we are very much about like, I can do it. You know, it's, it's me, it's me, 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 you know, or if, it's, if it went wrong, it's you, you, you. <laughs> It wasn't, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, it's only we when we mess up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did this or, you know, like, but like, how do we, how do you get people, you know, cause we're all, I mean, we're all raised in this, you know, in very similar kind of you know, societies and stuff like that. We're all raised in a lot of these sim similar concepts um, and we, in the very individualistic culture. How do we break people out of like those old, like mindsets and stuff like that? that say, hey, you know, I gotta make sure I'm doing, I'm, you know, focused just on me and I'm doing things right. And like, you know, if something goes wrong, I need to make sure that like, I've covered my own butt so that I'm safe. So um, Travis, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? Be the change that you wanna see in oral. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, it starts with yourself. Um, uh, you know, being in, a, being in management, um, taking it seriously, right? Um, and, you know, management gets blamed for a lot of stuff, right? I mean, every time it's, ah, it's management, yeah, you know, uh, telling you, I, I would do better, but management, yeah, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and look, so. <laughs> and a lot where of the buck stops <laughs> yeah it, you know and sometimes you know being in management like you know i remember one time i had an employee's wife just come up to me and be like you know you kept my husband late and blah, 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 this blah, 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 you know and, and i just took it right and then i thought to myself i should be like well if your husband wasn't scrolling through you know all these social networks and and, and posting all this other kinds of stuff maybe he could get his work done you know <laughs> that wasn't a high functioning team i'm guessing <laughs> 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 no, but it's a, no. it's a it's a really hard it is a really hard problem to solve because there's so many things that are working against it. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't at all like uh, mean to imply that management is at fault for everything that happens, even though it's fun uh, to to blame uh, fictitious, fictitious management uh, as the boogeyman for everything. But yeah, it is um, like it, 
it, it's also it's it's about personalities and team dynamic and management and budget and what project you're working on and how and people's personal lives like like are they like what's their work life balance look like what's like are they like what is their ex, like, life outside of work like and how is that affecting their white their life inside of work right yeah it's super complex really and there's no formula that you can really like the psychological safety is the closest thing to a a starting point but there's no formula there's no like okay we put we put all these things in and we on the other side of the the, the assembly line comes a high functioning team <laughs> just listening to just listening to Shanae describe this just made me realize how complex my work is <laughs> <laughs> In a way that I have never fully and truly appreciated until this very moment. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could do that for you, Travis. But, you know, it's, I mean, seriously, it, it is, it's really hard. And, you know, I, I've been on, I said the two and a half high functioning teams. The first one I was just, I was just a member of, and that was back at EA um, uh, as like a test on the, our, our TQC testing team or quality assurance team. Uh, and the second one was at, uh, a, a startup where um, it was a similar situation you had, Travis, which was we had this game that we'd put out. It was a, tied to an IP. The, it was tied to a movie IP. The movie came out. The movie flopped. Our <laughs> IP holder no longer gave a crap about our game, but we still had like 10 people who were employed just to make this game. And we're like, how do we make this? Like, can we save this, right? We no longer are shackled by the IP holder management sort of like, eh, whatever. And I joined this team and this team had been working like crazy hours. They were exhausted. Someone told me in one of our first meetings that um, they said the game wasn't fun. Like the team didn't think the game was fun. And they, when they argued about that at some point during development, management had told them, we don't have time to make it fun. We just need to get it out because it just has to hit that date. Uh, and so when I joined the team, <laughs> Yeah, they were just, they were demoralized. Yeah. Mm. They were just like, we've been, you know, we, they felt like they're being forced to put out something that was less than their best, purely to hit a date. They've been working really long hours, purely to hit a date. They weren't proud of what they made. So I, I, I basically, like, I pulled everyone in a meeting, our biggest conference room, I locked the doors. I said, listen, there's no management in here. Let's just have a conversation. What went wrong? <laughs> 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 like, here's a, here's a dry erase marker. Here's a dry erase marker. Here's a, like, let's just talk about it. Like what went right. wrong? Cause yeah. like, it can't possibly get worse yeah it's like and that was basically it and it was just folks like just like they'd reached a point where they were just exhausted and they didn't have any there was no need to have a work filter anymore and that was really important because they hadn't been communicating with each other and when they realized oh we all have the same thoughts about this (laughs) we've been sitting next to each other for like a year and no one had ever been able to express that to each other and they oh we all have the same thoughts and we all have the same goal to like make this thing better and i said okay cool now i know this i'm gonna go and advocate for us and get some space so we can make it better yeah like we can make this better we had like a week-long session where it's just like okay guys let's look let's solve the problem what's the problem with our game and it's always fun when you have asked that question to game designers because you're like okay guys what's the problem we're trying to solve they're like well what if we added this and what if we changed that what if we did this i'm like no 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 I asked for a problem. They're like, but what if we added these things? And what if we did this? I'm like, what is the problem? Right. <laughs> it's like, we still have to make the same game. Yes. It's like, you give me solutions. I want to hear problems. Like, if we define the problem, then we can come up with solutions. If you give me solutions yeah. before we define the problem, then there's a good chance that you wind up solving not the actual problem. <laughs> 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 we went through that whole thing, and it was- You solve that. That's very good. Yeah. Something. We just threw darts at a board. Yeah. 
And we're like, cool, we've got a dartboard. <laughs> we were trying to change the tire. But um no, it was really it was really interesting. And it was it was a it was a really great bonding experience for the team because like they realized that like listen, we we're we're all we've got right now. And like our fate is in our hands. And mm-hmm. we've been given the we've been like basically we've been given the space in order to be able to make the game we want to make. Yeah. So let's make it. Right. Let's let's challenge each other. Let's create like let's create together. And I had artists and engineers and the, art, the engineers like this looks weird. Is that what you intended to have a spiked collar on the rabbit? And he's like, it's not a rabbit. It's actually like a cat bear. And it's like, oh, actually, yeah, that looks rad. Can you add this? And it's like it wasn't that usual interaction where it's like engineer, like non-artist comments on the artist thing. Artist gets mad or like non-engineer comments on an engineering thing. Engineer gets mad. It was because they knew they were all working in good faith together. So it's all so, about communication and accountability. It's always about communication. You know, one thing I will mention, cause we talked about this, right. We're like, you know, you have this culture, you need to create a culture, you know, this, in, in this little microcosm of your team where people feel safe to be able to give feedback and receive feedback. By the way, that is one of the hardest things I know for people to be able to do is to receive feedback. That's because you instantly, like, lots of times, you know, you instantly just activate your, you know, your defense mechanisms, you know, and start talking about, well, why, why things are, you know, why you did this thing or why it's not your fault. Or what, like, and we need to really, like, change people's minds on how to, like, receive feedback in, in a constructive way and how people can give feedback in a constructive way as well, you know. But it really kind of helps to create that, that culture of accountability. And the other thing I just wanted to mention on there, also just kind of on the whole the whole thing in about managers and stuff like that, right? Because yes, you know, managers have a, have a part to play in there if you are a manager of a team, because you are going to have, if, unless you are at the top of that <laughs> of that pyramid, the very very top, yeah, you are going to get like impact or excuse me, input and stuff like that from people above you, or you might get things that are, that disrupt your flow and stuff like that. You know, you know, I've I've been in management for several years and stuff like that. One of the things I usually say to folks is like. When something goes right, credit goes to my team. When something goes wrong, blame goes to me. Like I, it's my job to be able to kind of manage that and to shield my team from quote unquote, all the crap that's coming down, <laughs> you know, like Ooh. to be able to make sure the team can continue to work. And I mean, that doesn't mean like not sugarcoating stuff and not telling people what's going on. It means providing transparency and providing a translation of the feedback you're getting so that the team can actually like action on it you know so i mean that's the other piece i think you know management definitely has a really strong part to play in this i mean so they shouldn't necessarily just be of course like the boogeyman or whatever even though we do mess things up awesome, <laughs> awesome <laughs> mess things up sometimes. Uh, the seagulling this the the sea the swoop and poop you swoop but we should be part of the solution we should be helping to make sure that teams basically get roadblocks out of the way and allow teams to actually work on what they need to work on. For you sure. made a really good point too, because like you said, like there's like the way that management can can often empower that is like management also needs to be recognized to recognize when they have a high functioning team on their hands. And if, even if it's a team, like if it's their team, if it's not you know a team that they're directly a, a contributing member of, like they're like, oh, there's a high functioning team over there. How can I help support them? How can I give that? Get out of the way. Yeah, but 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 not just get out of the way, but how do I get other obstructions out of the way in order to make sure that they've got the space they need in order to be successful. Go for it, Travis. When, when I was, when I was at Warner brothers, um, I had, uh, my, uh, my manager was the senior vice president of new tech. Um, and he said something to me 
the first day that frightened me <laughs> like to my core and he said travis i have discovered that the more i get promoted the less my boss knows what i do yeah and i was like whoa whoa <laughs> right and in it but in in our position as 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 production sometimes that needs to be okay you need to be okay communicating with someone who's a genius at that thing right yeah. and trust yeah. them and empower them and that's how you that's how you surround yourself with a high functioning team is you say you got this yep go do it yep. go so go do you it's so because you respect that lane yeah so so very true because i mean like you know, one of the things that, and I think I've mentioned this before where I said, you know, I, I, I hate that that idea of like, I got to, you know, the CYA, you know, like I got to cover my butt, you know, to make sure that I'm I'm okay with stuff or whatever, you know, and like having to do paper trails of all these other things. I'm not saying like, you know, obviously, you know, there's there's certain places where you do need to do that, right? I mean, you know, just there's, you know, you need to do trust but verify, it's like that. And, you know, of course, you do need to keep records of like particular conversations and actions and stuff like that, just to make sure people are aligned. And also be able to go back and do postmortems to solve, you know, to see what did we do right? What did we not do right? What can we improve on? And you have records for that. But I hate like getting into that whole, like, I'm trying to do this so I can like cover my own butt or whatever, right? I tell people, and I, I told this, you know, I tell this whenever I start, you know, start a job or, you know, we're sit down with my manager or whatever, I always say like, I'm always going to do what I feel like is right for the company, for the team, for myself. All those things should align, ideally. <laughs> but I'm, I'm always going to do what I feel like is right. I don't want to have to feel in fear of my job. And I said, if I do something that's wrong and like, you know, lo and behold, unfortunately, I get let go or something like that, I will still have a clear conscience because I'm still trying to do what I feel like is right. Because I'm not trying to get into like playing politics and like, you know, like trying to like, do empire building or other nonsense or whatever. Like I'm all about like, how do you create, you know, cause I don't think that that helps to create like high functioning teams, frankly. That's just, that's just like, <laughs> no. not for themselves. <laughs> it's actually the exact opposite. It's like that exactly. too, right? Like, you know, we're seeing this in this, in I mentioned this labor movement that's going on right now. We're seeing this, especially, uh, I mean, how many different memes have I seen or memes or just, I don't know if it's, I don't know if they're real or not, but they're entertaining. <laughs> it was like text messages of like, you know, um, uh, a manager telling an employee, Hey, I need you to come in tomorrow and work a 16 hour shift. And they gave him like four hours of notice and the employee's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Manager responds like, ah, we're going to talk about this attitude of yours when you come in tomorrow. And the employee says, yeah, I'm not going to do that either. <laughs> like, we're never going to, I'm never going to come back here. Cause you know what? Um, like it's a, it's a, it's a buyer's market right now, <laughs> you know, so I can get a job at any other number of places that will treat me a little better. You know, we talk about this stuff as being like a labor shortage or worker shortage or something. I think it's just a lot of people who are, like I said, this, this pandemic has helped re-establish and reset boundaries and priorities for a lot of people. Yep. Give them a chance to take a step back and see what they're willing to accept and what they're not. And we're seeing that. <laughs> we're seeing what people, we're seeing people exercise, like establish and say, hey, here's my priorities. Uh, bad management? Yeah, I'm not going to deal with that anymore. I'm going to go over somewhere else and try this place or that place or that place. You know, and so like, I think that's actually a really critical thing. In America, American um, work culture, we have this concept of a boss, right? 
uh, we, you know, we, we often use the word like manager or leader or boss, like, like interchangeably. Um, they, they have like slightly different, like I use slight distinctions between them, yeah. but I don't want a boss. You know, I want a leader. Or I want a manager. I want someone who can help me with my career, who helps me, like gives me guidance and things that will help me help make me a better person and a better, better at my job and just be a more, more well-rounded person. But oftentimes in American work culture, we're just like, no, that person's the boss. That means that they tell everyone else what to do, no matter what. And that person just has to do it. Yeah. And what they, and if you're not, and if you don't do it, you're in fear of your job. And like you said, that fear is like the exact opposite. Like it's, it's completely anathema to like the idea of a high functioning team. Yep. If you have people who are in fear of their job or of making a mistake or of anything that's related to the, the work culture there, then yeah, like that's not going to work. And you're going to wind up like that translates into the, the work that people do. In fact, you know, we make that joke about how like, um, I know it's a joke, but you know, uh, I've oftentimes I'll, I'll get food from a restaurant and, you know, someone like just like you, you gave it to you. It's sort of sloppy and stuff. And I'm just like, wow, this wasn't made with love. <laughs> they just sort of slop this sort of thing together and you taste and you're like, yeah, like it just doesn't taste like it was made with love either. Uh, I think the same thing is true for like the games that we make and stuff as well. Like, you know, if, if the, if your, if your games and your, your creative products are made by folks who are like living on the edge, constantly in fear of their job, like constantly exhausted, <laughs> frustrated, feeling like they're threatened. Like yeah. that's like the, the product that you're getting is actually not their best. Yep. Like you might say, Oh, well, one game of the year, it's still not their best. <laughs> and we should really reconsider everything about that. Amen. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. This was a fabulous conversation here. And I, I, I love to hear all the insight from everybody, you know, because this, this is, I mean, honestly, like I said, you know, if once you've worked on a high functioning team and you just you have that experience and stuff like that, you are like just travel like you, like you said, Travis. You're chasing it. You're chasing that experience to have it again. And you know when you're not on a high functioning team, and it's just like you're trying to figure out well, what can I do to transform it, it's like that. So you know, this is a really really important conversation. Um, and I, I you know I'd love you know maybe we can share um, you know some of the the uh, links that we were just talking about with like Amy Edmondson and stuff like that. Maybe we can share some of those. Uh, in the chat for folks. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and close up our show. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to Digital Click for all the creative they provide for each and every one of our shows. If you'd like to learn more about Tech Nubians, hit up technubians.com. That is T-E-C-H-N-0-0-B-I-A-N-S.com. Please follow us here on Twitch. And if you like our vibe. And we and know we you do. <laughs> and you want to learn more about game development and everything geek, please consider subscribing to our channel. You can also follow us on all our socials. We're on all major platforms. And if you're ever wondering what else geek we're talking about, and there's a lot, you can check out the schedule of shows on our uh, Twitch page here uh, for the Geekish Network. Anyways, that's it for now, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you all next week.